Section 12 of Edward the Black Prince by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 10. The Peace of Bretigny. England all this time was in a condition of peaceful prosperity. The king and his court were amusing themselves with tournaments and hunting parties. Edward III determined to open the war again, and began his preparations for leading a mighty army into France. Swarms of adventurers of all nations gathered at Calais, and offered him their services. The Duke of Lancaster was also to come to Calais and bring with him the English troops, which had been fighting for the cause of the de Montfort in Brittany. On the 28th of October, 1359, Edward sailed from Sandwich with an army such as had not been raised in England for more than a hundred years. Foissart tells us that there was not a knight or a squire from the age of twenty to sixty who did not go. It is interesting to note that amongst those who took part in this expedition was Geoffrey Chaucer, then only a young man, but destined to become famous as the first great name in our list of English poets. The king took with him the Black Prince and three of his other sons, Lionel, John, and Edmund. On landing at Calais, Edward proceeded to arrange his battalions that he might set off at once to meet the Duke of Lancaster. First marched the king's battalion, and after it an immense baggage train, which Foissart tells us was two leagues in length. It consisted of more than five thousand carriages, drawn by horses, and carrying provisions for the army. They were well provided with all kinds of things which no English army had ever taken with it before, such as mills to grind their corn, and ovens to bake their bread. After the king's battalion came the battalion of the Prince of Wales, who was accompanied by his brothers. The men-at-arms were all so richly dressed, and rode such fine horses, that, says Foissart, it was a pleasure to look at them. Both they and the archers marched in close order, that they might be ready to engage at any moment, should it be necessary. With the army went five hundred pioneers, with spades and pickaxes to level the roads and cut down trees and hedges, so that the carriages might pass easily. The Duke of Lancaster's battalion joined them soon after leaving Calais, and the three battalions proceeded on their march into the heart of France. They did not advance very quickly, as they had to let all the wagons keep pace with them. They found no provisions on their way, as everything had been carried off to supply the garrisons. Moreover, the country had been so pillaged and destroyed that the ground had not been cultivated for three years. They had hoped to refresh themselves in the vineyards and lay in stores of the new wine, but the season was so rainy that the grapes were worth nothing. Day and night the rain fell in torrents, but in spite of all difficulties, and though winter was coming on, they pressed on to Reims, avoiding all the other strong towns, for it was Edward's ambition to be crowned at Reims in the cathedral where the kings of France were always crowned. Reims was a strong town and was well defended by its archbishop. Edward wished to reduce it by a long siege, not to storm it, for he was careful of his men. The English army therefore quartered itself in different villages round the town. The king, the Black Prince, and the Duke of Lancaster each kept their court in different places and had great households. Many of the counts and barons were not so comfortable as the rainy weather still continued, and their horses were badly housed and ill-fed. 
there was a great scarcity of corn of all kinds one of the english knights succeeded in taking a little town near reims in which he found three thousand butts of wine great part of which he sent to the king of england and his sons to their great joy the knights often wearied of the siege and went away on little expeditions by themselves and there were many brave passages of arms between them and the french for seven weeks edward the third remained before reims and then began to tire of the siege it was hopeless to try and take the city by assault for it was well defended many of the horses had perished owing to the scarcity of fodder so at last he determined to break up his camp he marched south from reims to chalons and tonnerre at tonnerre he found very good wines and in order to enjoy them stayed there five days he then went on further south still to flavigny where he spent the whole of lent because there was a good store of provisions there his light troops scoured the country and constantly brought in fresh provisions the men-at-arms amused themselves in many different ways they had brought with them from england a number of boats made says foissart surprisingly well of boiled leather these would hold three men who could then go fishing in little rivers and lakes they were able to catch a great deal of fish which was very useful as during lent according to the rules of the church no meat might be eaten the king had with him thirty falconers on horseback with their hawks sixty couple of strong hounds and as many greyhounds and amused himself every day with hunting and hawking many of his lords also had their hawks and hounds flavigny was in the duke of burgundy's dominions he was a vassal of the king of france but in reality ruled like an independent prince he therefore sent ambassadors and made a treaty with edward so that his country might not be destroyed when the treaty was signed the english army broke up their camp and went on toward paris by forced marches whilst edward was in burgundy england had been alarmed by the appearance of a french fleet which ravaged the english coast and even took and pillaged winchelsea with great difficulty the english succeeded in raising a small fleet before which the french retired and the english revenged themselves for the french outrages by ravaging the coast of france when news of this french invasion reached edward it must doubtless have made him more anxious than ever to force a peace from the french so that he might not lose any of the advantages which he had already won he established himself at a short distance from paris and sent heralds to the dauphin who was in the city offering him battle but the dauphin would not venture outside the walls of paris this greatly enraged the king and he allowed sir walter manny and other knights to assault the barriers of paris but they could not do much as the city was well defended the army was exhausted by the sufferings endured on account of the rainy winter and the scarcity of provisions edward determined therefore to take them along the loire to brittany to recruit and refresh themselves and then after the vintage which promised to be a very good one to bring them again to lay siege to paris meanwhile pope innocent the sixth had been doing his utmost to persuade the dauphin to make peace who at last consented to send commissioners after the king of england to try and arrange terms it was hard to persuade edward to give up his ambition to be king of france but at last he listened to the arguments of his cousin the duke of lancaster whom he much loved and trusted and who showed him how doubtful it was that he could hope to succeed in his ambitious desires whilst the war might easily last out his lifetime 
Foissart tells us that a sudden storm of hail and thunder so frightened the English army that they thought the world was come to an end. Edward, looking upon it as a judgment from God, bowed to the Virgin to accept terms of peace. At last, at the little village of Bretigny near Chartres, a treaty was signed on May 8, 1360. This peace, known as the Peace of Bretigny, is most important in history. It serves as a sort of landmark in the midst of the wars and struggles of the Middle Ages. In this treaty, Edward promised to give up forever his claim to the throne of France and to all the dominions of the Angevin kings north of the Loire, Anjou, Maine, Touraine, and Normandy. He retained only Calais. On the other hand, the kings of France were to give up forever all rights of exacting homage for the English provinces of Guienne and Gascony. Brittany was not included in the treaty, and England and France were both at liberty to assist either of the competitors for the duchy. King John was to be ransomed for three million golden crowns, equal to about thirty million of our money, a part of which was to be paid at once, and hostages given for the remainder. When the treaty was signed, Edward and his son immediately hastened to England. They then accompanied King John to Calais, that the final conference with the Dauphin might be held. After many more discussions, the peace was ratified. When all was arranged and the hostages had arrived at Calais, who were to go to England till John's ransom was all paid, Edward gave a magnificent supper to King John in the castle. The king's sons and all the greatest barons of England waited bareheaded on the two kings, after the supper, Edward and John took leave of one another in the most affectionate manner. The black prince accompanied John to Boulogne. They went on foot, as the French king wished to make a pilgrimage to Our Lady of Boulogne. There they met the Dauphin, and all went together to the church and made their offerings, and afterwards to the Abbey of Boulogne, where the black prince spent the day with the French and returned next day to Calais. The English were not long in returning to England, taking with them all the French hostages. Amongst these hostages were two sons of King John, the Dukes of Anjou and Berry, and his brother, the Duke of Orléans. Edward commanded his officers and courtiers to treat them courteously, and to be very careful to preserve peace with them, as they were under his care. They were allowed a great deal of liberty, and might go where they liked in the city of London and its neighbourhood. Foissart tells us that they hunted and hawked according to their pleasure, and rode out as they pleased to visit the ladies without any constraint, for the king was right courteous and amiable. The king of France was most joyously welcomed by his subjects on his return. When he reached Paris, all the clergy came out to meet him, and conducted him to the palace, where he and his nobles partook of a magnificent dinner. So overjoyed were both people and nobles to see him, that they all made him rich gifts and entertained him at sumptuous feasts. There was a good deal of difficulty in carrying out the articles of the Treaty of Bretigny. Many of the French towns and strongholds which had to be given over to the English objected very strongly, and the King of France had to use much persuasion before they would consent to yield. The town of La Rochelle only yielded with difficulty, the principal inhabitants of the town saying, we will honour and obey the English, but our hearts shall never change. On the other hand, there were many small towns and fortresses in France which were held by English and Gascon nobles. 
these had to be given up to the king of france and the soldiers who were turned out thought they could not better employ themselves than by forming themselves into robber bands and pillaging the country more than ever was france overrun by the free companies the king of france was at last obliged to send an army against the largest of these companies called the great company but they defeated his army and proceeded to threaten the pope in avignon who was obliged to hire soldiers to oppose them edward had appointed sir john chandos as regent and lieutenant of his possessions in france and in the name of the king of england chandos received the homage of the nobles of poitou and the duchy of aquitaine he made niort his headquarters and kept a great establishment there he was a brave and accomplished knight amiable and sweet-tempered and was beloved and esteemed by the king and all who knew him End of section twelve